Hello and welcome to episode 46 of the Odd World News Podcast. This week's episode is titled Missed Record, Namesakes, and a Creepy Doll. Odd World News is a weekly podcast where you cover the strange peculiar news that has occurred throughout the world. If you would like to follow along with this week's episode, you can find the show notes in your podcast application of choice or by going to oddworld.news slash 46. Here are the stories for the week of October 25th, 2015. Lit Pumpkins Many places within the United States celebrate fall, and specifically Halloween, by holding festivals. One of these locations is Laconia, New Hampshire. Laconia is the home of the New Hampshire Pumpkin Festival. Last year's festival was full of raucous revelers that included alcohol-filled parties during the event and led to more than 100 arrests. This incident led the Keene City Council to reject the permit to hold the festival this year. Officials say that Laconia's experience holding the annual motorcycle week that attracts upwards of 100,000 people provided confidence that it could manage the pumpkin festival. This year was more subdued and entirely peaceful, according to Laconia police chief Chris Adams. Laconia was hoping to set a Guinness World Record for lit jack-o'-lanterns. In 2013, Keene, New Hampshire, which normally hosts the Pumpkin Festival, won the record back from Boston, Massachusetts. The record then was more than 30,500 carved pumpkins. Sadly, Laconia fell short of the 30,500 pumpkins by a mere 20,933. Flocking sheep. One thing you do not see that often is a flock of sheep let alone 2,000 of them at one time. Spanish shepherds, along with their 2,000 sheep, headed through Madrid, Spain. Tourists and children were surprised to see major sections of Madrid cordoned off to let the herd parade through the street. Government agricultural spokesman Carlos Cabanas says the tradition is essential to, quote, maintain native breeds that are in danger of extinction, end quote. Shepherds have had the right to move through Madrid since 2073, long before Madrid became a sprawling metropolis. The fee paid by the shepherds for crossing Madrid is 150 maravedis. These coins were minted in the 11th century. Chewy gets arrested. The following story may sound like a joke, but it is not. Political parties tend to make statements, as the Internet Party of Ukraine has done. The Internet Party is a fringe political group. Members of the group were confronted by police at a polling place in Odessa where they showed up to vote party is known for dressing as characters from the Star Wars franchise. One of the members was arrested for not having a driver's license. One of the videos, which are linked in the show notes, showed Chewbacca alongside an Imperial Stormtrooper. The two stepped out of their fancy car, and police asked for Chewbacca's ID. Chewbacca was subdued by several police and arrested. Chewie was fined for the equivalent of $7.50 for, quote, malignant resistance to lawful requirement of a police officer, end quote. Inside the polling place, the Internet Party's candidate, Darth Vader, was the party's nominee for the mayor of Odessa. Vader was seen being denied the opportunity to vote, despite presenting a passport with his full name of Darth Ivanovich Vader. Last year, the Internet Party of Ukraine put Vader and Yoda up as candidates and garnered 0.36% of the vote. A boo-tifo wedding. A few weeks back on episode 42, we covered a story about a couple who wanted to have people purposefully crash their wedding. This week, we have another marriage. Melissa Cote and Tom Cohen both work at the Litchfield, New Hampshire, in the spooky world slash nightmare. Since they both worked there, they decided to get married there. The bride wore a white gown with a black sash, while her bridesmaids all wore black. The father of the bride was dressed as Beetlejuice, the main character from the movie of the same name. 
The presiding justice of the peace gave the couple permission to, quote, haunt and howl at the moon together as long as you shall live and to have and hold from this night on in madness and in haunting fun, end quote. The bride states, quote, it's like a girl's dream to wear a white dress and walk down the aisle and everything like that with her dad, but my dad's dressed up, so that's pretty cool, end quote. The wedding guests were encouraged to dress up in costume. Their friends said the wedding was absolutely perfect. One bridesmaid states, quote, Nobody has ever gotten married here, so it's definitely great. End quote. This isn't the Indy 500. It is not clear what thought process a parent goes through when they name their kids. Most of the time, parents use traditional names or names that they feel express something that they want to convey. Some of these times, though, children are named after movie characters, as is the case in this story. 21-year-old Indiana Z. Jones of Rushville, New York, led police on a 100-mile-an-hour chase. The chase occurred after he decided to evade a traffic stop within Rushville. Ultimately, Jones was stopped using a spike strip. After the car he was in came to a stop, he was arrested. He is being charged with unlawfully fleeing police, speeding, and having an unregistered, uninsured, and uninspected vehicle. Maybe next time he should use a giant rock or an elephant instead of a car to get around Rushville. Ninja Turtle Cops Many police precincts are looking for alternative ways of subduing suspects. These methods can range from tasers to pepper spray and beanbags to take suspects down by using less than lethal force. There is now an additional tool in the arsenal. However, it is not a new one, but it is making a comeback. The town of Anderson, California, which is in Shasta County, and approximately 200 miles north of San Francisco, is adding a tool made popular by Bruce Lee in the 1970s, and also by the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in the 1980s and early 90s. That weapon? The nunchuck. The two solid sticks are attached by a nylon cord and serve two purposes. The first is to be used as a weapon against suspects, but it is also capable of tying a suspect's wrists together as a pair of makeshift handcuffs. When first presented with the idea, Sergeant Casey Day was dubious that the idea would work. But after a couple of days, he thought it just might. Regarding the nunchucks, Day states, quote, It's a two-for-one weapon. It's also easier to carry than a long nightstick. End quote. Nunchucks were used back in the early 1990s in both San Diego as well as the Los Angeles Police Department. After a lawsuit, the LAPD phased out their usage in favor of tasers. According to Kevin Orcutt, the sole nunchuck maker for the United States law enforcement, quote, taser slowed everything down, end quote. Orcutt provides a three-day training course as well as certifying officers as instructors so they can teach others in their agencies how to use the nunchucks properly. Orcutt estimates that only 100 departments across the country have an officer certified to use the nunchucks but he also states that he is unsure how many officers carry the weapon. Soon, Denver's police will be adding nunchucks to their non-lethal set of tools. I'm curious as to how long it will be before they start using brass knuckles, if they aren't already. Way back on episode 15, we covered a story about a Washington state man who attempted to use a high-occupancy vehicle lane for him and his cutout of the most interesting man in the world. Well, we have a similar incident. A trooper pulled over a man who attempted to use a creepy Halloween doll to gain access to the carpool lane on Interstate 5 in Washington State. After noticing the arrangement, State Trooper Guy Gill pulled the man over. The trooper found the doll dressed in a pink outfit with a black hat and a creepy skeletal face. The man was given a $136 ticket. Gill states that the driver joked that, quote, 
the agency gave him a break for not having a car seat. End quote. It is not known whether this latest incident was inspired by the previous one or not. Additionally, this ticket is $12 more than the ticket the first man received back in March. Animal Hospital Much like the story on episode 44 of the bear who walked into a school, we have another animal walking to another building. But this time it is not a school, nor is it a bear. Jim DeFerio was brought into the University of Rochester's Strong Memorial Hospital emergency room due to having a heart attack. Upon his arrival, he was confused by the patient that came in right behind him, a small deer. DeFerio states, quote, I turned around and there was a deer, I would say about three feet high, a small deer, and he ran past me. It ran right by me, slipping as it went, and everybody kind of moved aside. What are you going to do? You see a deer coming down fast, so everybody moves. End quote. A pair of Monroe County Sheriff's deputies who were at the hospital assisted the University of Rochester public safety officers with escorting the deer out of the hospital. The deer was strapped to a gurney and wheeled across the parking lot. Sadly, the deer had to be euthanized. Mark Fisher, chief of public safety at the University of Rochester, states, quote, I had to listen a little hard to my radio today when I heard a call about a deer in the emergency department. But you know, it's the time of year when they're running a lot, and this one was pretty obviously struck by a car. It was in pretty bad shape, but still mobile enough to get inside the emergency department. End quote. Influential beer. There are many aspects of the origins of Homo erectus that remain unknown. What is known is that over the many millennia that humans have been around, we have become quite divergent and have created our own distinct dialects and accents. There is one last item that we need to determine where the Australian accent originated. Dean Frankel, an Australian speech expert and lecturer in public speaking communication at Victoria University in Melbourne, has been studying the origins of the Australian accent. He states that the accent was born of speech patterns from English, Irish, and German settlers mixing with the Aboriginal people. This was not the only influence. The second influence was something that these three peoples have in common, heavy drinking. Frankel states, quote, the Australian alphabet cocktail was spiked by alcohol. Our forefathers regularly got drunk together and through their frequent interactions unknowingly added an alcoholic slur to our national speech patterns. For the past two centuries, from generation to generation, drunk Aussie speak continues to be taught by sober parents to children. End quote. He continues, quote, the average Australian speaks to just two-thirds capacity, with one-third of our articular muscles always sedentary as if lying on the couch and that's just concerning articulation. Missing consonants can include missing T's, important, L's, Austria, and the S, yesh. While many of our vowels are lazily transformed into other vowels, especially A's to E's, stending, and I's, New South Wales, and I's to O-I's, as in noit, end quote. Frankl has called for rhetoric lessons to be included in Australia's educational system. He takes position, quote, Australia, it is no longer acceptable to be smarter than we sound. End quote. Despite the origins of the Australian accent, it has not hurt their rankings in the quote, most attractive accent in the world quote, study. According to the survey of 11,000 people in 24 cities across the world, the Australian accent ranks fourth, behind the British accent, American accent, and Irish accent. And that concludes this week's episode of the Odd World News Podcast. You can find the show notes for this episode and all previous episodes at oddworld.news. 
You can follow us on Twitter at underscore oddworldnews. If you'd like to submit a story or send feedback, you can email us at oddworldnewspodcast at gmail.com. If you would like to support the podcast, please subscribe. Follow the Amazon link on the left side of the website and rate us in iTunes. Thanks for listening, and we will be back next week.